We're talking about joy this week. You don't have any, you can have some. Some, some people saved and it seemed like the joy just missing in their life. And maybe we just need to get back to thinking about the great things that Jesus Christ has done for us. Here's an international message tonight. Uh, Genesis 49:22. Joseph is a fruitful bough. In, in these last chapters of Genesis, what we have are uh, prophecies spoken by Jacob of the future of each of his sons. We know them as the 12 tribes of Israel. They weren't the 12 tribes of Israel at the time. They were just the sons of Joseph. But each of these prophecies in some way or another points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and this one is tremendously clear in many of its particulars. Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Even by the help, uh, by the God of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breasts and of the womb, the blessings of thy father hath prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors under the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. Father, bless your word to our hearts tonight. Help me to speak the truth. Help me to say what should be said in the way that it should be said. Lord, would you please minister to each and every heart tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, depending on how long you've been saved and how much time you spend in the Bible, you probably read down through here, picked out, so I, I see Jesus there, I see Jesus in that. And if we start from the, the end of the passage and work our way back to the front, uh, most of these are, are real clear pictures of our Savior. Look at that last phrase, him that was separate from his brethren. Now, of whom could that be said in a greater measure than the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible said he was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. He's the one man that ever walked this earth. Never a foul word came out of his mouth. Never impure motive or feeling in his heart. Never a, an untoward or improper thought in his mind. I tell you, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but one was separate from that fall, and one was separate from that sin, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the next phrase before that says, on the crown on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. You see, when he lived that perfect sinless life and then went to that cross and laid down his life for your sins and mine and then rose from the dead, the Bible says that God the Father has crowned him with glory and honor and he's certainly worthy and deserving of that crown. He sits enthroned tonight and rules and reigns as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and, and one day you might earn a crown for something and I might earn a crown for something but the Bible says in Revelation that we will take those crowns and cast them at the feet of the one who wears the crown and that's all right with me. How about you? Everything I've got I have because of Jesus. I may as well just give it back to him. And then the Bible says, working your way back up through verse 26, 
That, uh, and 25 and 26, the uh, blessings of heaven above, where do those come from? Jesus Christ. Blessings of the deep, where, is it, where do those come from? Jesus Christ. Who blesses with life in verse 25? So the breasts and the womb there speaking of birth and life. And, and then what the Bible says in 26, the blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors on the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. Now, some of you had great fathers, but none like, like the Lord your God. And some of you had great families to grow up in. And even now, you're part of great families. But I'll tell you the blessings we get from being part of God's family and knowing Jesus Christ. The Bible says they excel, they exceed, they're better than all the blessings that we get from anyone else or anywhere else. And here, primarily, here's why. Because they are, what, everlasting. Everlasting. We've gotten some things from our father or from our mothers or from the family we've been born into, maybe the nation we're a part of, maybe the church that we're in, but all of those are temporary blessings, but the things that we get from the eternal God because we have eternal life, those things are everlasting. What pictures of Jesus? Now, make your way back on up here, and the Bible says in verse number 24, is he not the stone of Israel? The Bible says the stone which the builders rejected, the same as made the head of the corner. The Bible said on whom, whosoever falls on this stone should be broken. That stone falls on you to grind you to powder. Remember in Daniel chapter 9, after we've seen the, or chapter 2, after we've seen the great image of all the world empires, last of all, down comes that stone out of heaven, uh, cut without hands and, and coming down here to crush those earthly empires and establish a kingdom that will spread until it takes in all all the earth and, and, and it'll have no end. That's Jesus Christ. And then he's the shepherd. Aren't you glad of that? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Bible calls him the good shepherd and the chief shepherd and the great shepherd. Uh, the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And how about that shepherd that goes out looking for that lost sheep that, and finds it and brings it back in? I tell you what, these are all pictures, great pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we read, in verse 24, his bow, but his bow abode in strength, but the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. Now, what is that but in reference to? Look at verse 23. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. Can you see the death of Jesus Christ in that picture? Those archers, man, they drew their bow and they pierced his hands and they pierced his feet and they pierced his sacred brow and they pierced his side. But those arms that were nailed to that cross, they prevailed above those archers. And they, they thought they'd, uh, they'd rid the earth of this Jesus Christ. But little did they know that in his death, he was conquering death for us. And in the sacrifice, when he laid down his life, he was making it possible for us to have life. And, and all of those are, are great, beautiful, clear pictures of Jesus Christ. But the first one's kind of fuzzy. And that's the one we want to talk about tonight. Joseph as Jesus, and Jesus fulfilling these prophecies, is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. That's not so clear. Stone, that's clear. Shepherd, that's clear. Crown, that's clear. Separate from his brethren, that's clear. This one, not so much. I want to show you something in the New Testament, then we'll talk a little bit. 
Come to Romans chapter number 9. Romans chapter 9. Thank you, Ben. Is that in the name of a prophet? Romans chapter 9, verse number 4. Now, before I read these verses, I'm looking tonight, and I see people here from many different national or ethnic backgrounds. You ought to see our church. Sometimes on a Sunday morning, I feel like I'm preaching in the United Nations. I mean, they're, they're just every kind of color and shape and, and, and accent that you can just imagine all sitting there together because of Jesus Christ. But, but listen, I don't, I don't see anyone here tonight. Maybe, maybe you are, but there aren't many people in our churches who were born Jews who are now Bible-believing Christians. Not many. Look what the Bible says in Romans 9, verse 4. Who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption. Well, if it belonged to them, it didn't belong to anybody else. And the glory and the covenants, if those things belonged to Israel, they didn't belong to our forefathers. And the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises. Whose are the fathers, and of whom is concerning the flesh? Christ came, who is over all God-blessed forever. Now, let's take a little time out. We'll get back to that well. We'll get back to that fruitful bough. We'll get back to that wall. I want to talk about our ancestors a little bit, because this is an, an international night, and we got the flags from all around the world, and some of us came from people that were under that flag, and some under that flag, and some from that nation, and some from that nation. There's Brazil. That's where my wife is from, and uh, Scotland may be up there where my father's from, and Germany, where my mother's family is from. Listen, we were what the Bible calls Gentiles. If you didn't come from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Bible calls you a Gentile. Guess what else it calls Gentiles? Heathen. He said, what about the heathen in Africa? What about the heathen in, in Manitoba? What about the heathen in Florida? Heathen is a Bible term, not for people that do wild and crazy things, though some of our ancestors did. Heathen is a term for people who aren't Jews. The Jews called them the uncircumcision or dogs. That's pretty rough business. But I want you to think with me tonight about your forefathers. They didn't have the promises. What's that? All the Old Testament blessings. They didn't have the covenants. What, the, what is that? What God promised to Abraham and then to David regarding land and a, and a throne at Jerusalem. They didn't have the sacrifices and the offerings. We read about, you know, on Passover they came and brought this and at Tabernacles they came and brought that. Our forefathers didn't do that. That's the Jews. Now I want you to think for a minute what your ancestors and my ancestors knew about God for 4,000 years. Now, just, just for a second, just, I'm going to show you what we're talking about here. Take your Bible, and I want you to find Matthew and put your finger right there in Matthew. Maybe about chapter 12 or so. Matthew chapter number 12. And then I want you to find Genesis chapter 12, Matthew 12, and Genesis 12. Everybody got that? 
Matthew 12 to Genesis 12, that much of your Bible had nothing to do with your forefathers and mine. During all of that time, God was not on speaking terms with our kinfolk. From Genesis 12 until Jesus starts blowing the minds of the Jews by healing Gentiles. This book's all about Jews. The psalmist is singing songs for the Jews. The kings are the kings of Israel. The temple is built for the nation of Israel to worship in. It's, it's the wilderness wanderings of Israel. It's crossing into the promised land of Israel. It's the, that's not us. Well, what does that leave us? Here's what your forefathers and mine knew about God. We were in a beautiful garden. Mom ate the banana or papaya or whatever it was. Mom ate the fruit. Dad ate the fruit with us or with her, and God came down and kicked them out of the garden. Fast forward, Genesis chapter 6. Noah built an ark, four men and four women, and a bunch of animals got in that ark, and God sent a flood and drowned everybody else on earth. Fast forward, Genesis chapter 11. Our ancestors were going to build a tower whose top could reach to heaven. That's, that's what the Bible says. Tower of Babel, land of Shinar, they're going to build a tower whose top could reach to heaven. And they put the astronauts in the top of that thing, and they started the countdown, and they were from the launch tower, they were going to send men up into heaven. To, you, said, you think that's really what happened? I just, look, it just says, tower whose top may reach to heaven. And God said, let's go down there and stop that, because we don't stop it. There's nothing man can't do if he puts his mind to it. And so the Lord came down the Tower of Babel, and all of a sudden, listen, everybody got up that morning having breakfast together at the same table, but by lunchtime, some people were speaking Italian, and there weren't even any Italians yet, and some people were speaking Portuguese, and there wasn't a Portugal yet, and some people were speaking Hindi, and some people, listen, he confounded their language so they could not understand one another. That's Genesis 11. And then he scattered the people abroad over the face of the whole earth. And then in chapter 12, he said, Abram, come here. Le come here. No, farther. Come here. Farther. No, farther. Come here. And he brought him out into, into a wilderness place. And then he sent him down into Egypt, 430 years to be a slave and make a great nation. And then he brought him out through a wilderness into this land of Canaan. And he gave him diets and rules and clothing and commandments so he wouldn't mix with the other people. And God dealt with Abraham and his people for the next 3,500 years. So you know what your ancestors knew? All over Europe, South America, Africa, Far East, you know what they knew? God kicked us out of a garden. God drowned us in a flood. God scattered our language at the Tower of Babel. You better be afraid of God. Now, don't you think about that. Do you understand why the heathen, the Gentiles, do you understand why they make idols? Because the real God's too scary. 
You know why they make totem poles and carve things and, and make images and birds and beasts and worship the spirits and the, and the river and the wind? Because the real God is terrifying. He's just judgment. He's wrath. He's punishment. If you don't do exactly what he says, he's going to get you. That's all they knew. Now, the Lord, he doesn't expect any more than that of them. Look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter number 1. We'll get to the wall in a minute. We'll get to the fruitful bough and the well and all that. But we need to know where we came from. See, your ancestors weren't sitting around reading the Bible and deciding they didn't like it. They didn't have any Bible. They weren't going to church and saying, I preacher said one thing I don't agree with. I'm never going back there again. There wasn't any church to go to. Here's what they knew. Romans chapter number 1. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. How's that for a start? Anybody want God? Well, I don't know. What do you know about him? Wrath. See that? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Here's what your forefathers knew. Look at all that. Look at those stars. Look at that sun. Look at those trees. Look at those rivers. That didn't happen by accident. Somebody made that. Look at those graveyards, look at those sicknesses, look at that death. Whoever made that, he doesn't die and we do. So there's a great creator. He has great power. We ought to worship him and obey him. That's all they knew. That's all your ancestors knew. And there's a wall. There's a wall. There's somebody out there in that desert. God talks to them. God writes his word down with his own fingers so they can read it. God gives them a way of worship and a place to worship in. What a strange thing. A queen of Sheba, she traveled all the way to Africa to go and see this magnificent scene where God had a house and people that knew God worshiped him. Not many Gentiles ever took such an interest. All right, well... Let's, let's just, just, you don't have to go back there. Let me read you the Genesis verse again. I just, we just had to take that little side trip so you can see, see what was happening here. Uh, the Bible says, back there in Genesis 49, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. Okay, let's review. Joseph's father is Jacob. Good, come get a yo-yo. <laughs> This is a thirsty church. Did you see the first? Everything that went was the, the drinks. <laughs> All right, so we got Jacob and his a son named Joseph, okay? And we're looking for a fruitful bough by a well that reaches over a wall. John chapter 4. John chapter number 4. Jesus Christ came into the world. He was the king of the Jews, but he was so much more. He was the Hebrew Messiah. 
but he was so much more. The Bible says in John 4, 1, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Time out. Samaria. Maybe you don't have the race situations and problems in your country that we have in the, in the United States, but I'll tell you in the U USA, everything is just based upon what color you are and what nationality you are and who you're tied to and this and that. Now listen, these Jews, I'm not speaking evil, I'm just telling you how it is. They were God's chosen people. Instead of being a light to the world, introducing their God to the world, they got proud and haughty and conceited. And they wanted to keep that light all to themselves. Read the book of Jonah, you'll find out exactly how they felt about Gentiles and about heathen. Well, here's what happened. They disobeyed their God and sinned against their God for so long, he finally sent Nebuchadnezzar in to carry them away captive into Babylon. How many remember that? Okay, so they're down there in Babylon, 70 years as slaves, but Nebuchadnezzar left some, some poor people and some uneducated people and some people he didn't think would be any benefit to him. He left them in the land to take care of it keep the roads up and running and keep the fields clear and that sort of thing. Well, while they're there, they did what people do. I mean, it's 70 years, you got to get married. It's 70 years, you want to have a family. It's so, so those Jews that were left there, they married, well, whoever else came there to live. And some of the Jews that went into Babylon, you learn this from Ezra and Nehemiah, they married some women and had some babies that, well, they weren't Jews. When that 70-year captivity was over, now you got a situation. you got some children that are half Jew and half Gentile. They're not pure, 100% Jew, and the Jews hated them because they cared more about being Jews than they did knowing God. They cared more about their first birth than, than having a second birth. Well, these despised and outcast, forgive me, it's just the word, half-breeds, these mixed-race people, were called Samaritans. And they were pushed into a place called Samaria, and nobody wanted anything to do with them. Because they weren't this or they weren't that, they were just a little of this and a little of that. They were, they were just a, a mixed people, and the people who weren't mixed thought they were better and didn't that. That's Samaritans. And Jesus is going to pass through Samaria. Look at verse number five. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near, watch this, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Hmm. So I got Jacob, Genesis 49, I got Joseph, Genesis 49, and I've got a well. Let's see what happens. Anybody want to know what happens? If you don't, we're going to look anyway. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria, Now watch. How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? 
For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She knew, he knew. She walked up, he didn't have a little button on that said, I'm a Jew. He didn't have pull out his passport and say, look where I was born. Bethlehem. His nose didn't look like her nose. His skin didn't look like her skin. His accent didn't match her accent. They knew right away, she knew right away, this man's a Jew. He knew, as he saw her coming, that woman's a Samaritan, and he spoke to her, and she was amazed. Because it's obvious the Jews didn't even speak to the Samaritans. No dealings. Verse number 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. We can't run it tonight because you've had a lot to eat. And we can't run it tonight because there, there is a certain time constraint on these things. Four times in the Old Testament, look it up. Four times in the Old Testament. There's a man about whom the prophets spoke that would come into this world whose name was... The branch, with a capital B, the branch, God's righteous branch. And this woman comes out, and this man sits down beside a well that Jacob gave to Joseph, and that woman walked up to him and said, your people don't come over here, and my people don't go over there. And Jesus said, yeah, but if you knew who I was, if you knew who I was, you would know that I am here for you. I'm here for you. The Hebrew kings weren't for her. The Hebrew judges weren't for her. The Hebrew prophets weren't for her. But there's somebody sitting by that well that is there for her just as sure as he's there for Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Look at the next verse. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? <laughs> yeah, there's that well. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That's that one we read about. A blessing. Listen, you drink this water, you'll get a blessing. You drink water from Jacob's well, you'll get a blessing. You drink water that Joseph provided for his ancestors, you'll get a blessing. But what I want to give you, it's everlasting. What I want to give you will be a blessing for now and for the, when time should be no more. Verse 16, or 15, the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. She must have been like a movie star or something. That's, Elizabeth Taylor out there at the well. In, in that sense, thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now watch, watch this. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, Samaritans. 
And ye say, Jews, that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me. See that? We, the, us Samaritans, we worship over here. That's how we get to God. And you, you, the Jews, they worship over there. That's how they get to God. And Jesus said, never mind that mountain. Never mind that mountain. Believe me. See what he's doing? He is coming to save Gentile, Jew, half and half. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so the Bible says... In verse 21, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. <laughs> what? That's kind of rude. Ye worship, ye know not what. But wait a minute. Keep reading. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Now how can he say that? That's why we took that little side road. God told the Jews. I want you to come on the Sabbath day. I want you to bring a lamb. I want you to shed the blood. I want you to bring a bullock. And I want you to, to cut the pieces this way. And I want you to wave the sheaf. And then on the new moon, I want you to do this. And on the feast day, I want you to do that. God laid that all out for the Jews. You know what he told the Gentiles? Get out of the garden. Get on the ark. Scatter. Whatever, however they worshiped, they just made it up. However they offered sacrifice to God, they just made it up because he never told them what to do or how to do it. Come on, not as, not as nations, not like that Jew. So Jesus said, you don't know what you worship. You don't know how to worship. The Jews do. Salvation's of the Jews. But believe me. He said, you, ne you never had what they had, but you can now have what they can now have. Watch, keep reading. Verse number uh, 24, the hour, or 23, the hour cometh. Now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. The Father seeks to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him. See that? You're going to worship God? Worship God. Don't worship temples. That's what happened to the Jews. Don't worship your worship. That's what happened to the Jews. They got so hung up on the things God gave them, they stopped worshiping God. And Jesus said, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Now, are we on the right track tonight? Are we on the right track? Am I, am I telling you the truth from the Bible? I know we've, we've jumped from Genesis to the New Testament. Have I told you the truth? Look at 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Now wait, I want you to think about this. Jesus gave sight to blind men and the Bible never says the disciples marveled. He cleansed lepers, and they never marveled. He raised the dead, and they never marveled. When they saw him talking to a half-breed woman, they marveled. They never said, wow, he made a deaf man hear. Wow, he made a lame man walk. But they walked, wow, he's talking to her? 
That's how deep-seated their national pride was. That's how high that wall had been built. You know what Jesus did? He sat down by that well and he reached right over that wall to that Samaritan woman and said, would you like some of this? It's for you. It's not just for Jews, it's for you. Well, they got their mountain and we got our mountain. We're not talking about that. We're talking about living water and everlasting life. Would you like some? What Jesus did for you, what Jesus did for me, what Jesus did for the people in all these nations we support is something nothing in that Old Testament law could ever have done. He reached over that wall, hallelujah. Verse 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed to him, saying, Master, eat. And he said to them, I have meat to eat you know not of. And they have this little discussion about, about food. And the Bible says in verse number 39, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, Samaritans, they besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then and said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. Look at this. And know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. How about that? You don't have any news like that in 1 Samuel. You, you, I mean, you can look back from the New Testament and, and kind of see a little bit here. They didn't know. Look, listen, you know what Jesus is? Look at that. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl under every one of those flags. They've got no temple. They've got no law. They've got no priesthood ordained of God. They've got no sacrificial altar. They've got no God-given holy days. You know what they have? They have a Savior. They have a Savior. Because one day, one day, in the line of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, a branch was born. And that, oh, let, me, well, listen, let me tell you how I reached over that wall. We can't, oh, we can't do this tonight. We, we could spend a whole week right here. The seed of the woman fell into dry ground. Genesis 3, seed of the woman, dry ground, Isaiah 53. He's the root of David. He's the root of Jesse. He's the root of Abraham. And that root became a, well, he grew up before us as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. Then that tender plant, he grew into manhood, and now he's a full-grown tree. You know what that tree did? That tree just spread out right over by that wall, and just put a branch out over that wall and said, any, any of you Samaritans like some of this? Any of you Europeans like some of this? Any of you Africans like some of this? Any of you Chinese like some of this? It's free. 
It's free. All you got to do is reach out and take it. I don't care what mountain your forefathers worshipped in. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care about your accent. I don't care if your hair is straight or bushy. I just want to know, would you like to have everlasting life? Praise the Lord. Well, you can't kill that tree. Three days and three nights he was in the grave, but he was busy during that time. And let me tell you what's happened since then in 2,000 years. Come to Ephesians chapter number 2. That branch reached over that wall and 3,000 people got saved on a Jewish feast day in Acts 2. And 2,000 more got saved and then they got scattered and went to the ends of the earth and people just kept getting saved and getting saved and getting saved. And Look at this, Ephesians 2 verse 8. For by grace are you saved. Oh, we ate a lot of food, didn't we? Whew, it's been a long week. You stay awake through the rest and you can have a pair of scissors. I'm surprised. You really made out great, didn't you? That thousand bucks you put in that black bag, nobody took that bag. <laughs> it's just a bag. I don't want that. You missed out. Now nobody can concentrate wonder if there's really a thousand dollars in that bag. <laughs> yeah, tra you trade the candles <laughs> behind door number two. You want to trade your candles for <laughs> I'm dating myself. All right, verse eight. That sounded creepy, didn't it? D dating myself. <laughs> that had reference to time. Not, any, all right, verse Verse 8, <laughs> verse 8, for by grace are you saved. We know that verse, right? Uh, Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember, this is us now, that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, that's us. Who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision. You know what the Jew thought? They just called us names. Look down on us. We got something from God you don't have. Woohoo, we're better. In the flesh made by hands. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. And without God in the world, but now, aren't those beautiful words? But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Isn't that great? For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Now, in this world today, the Jew still sits on one side of the wall and the Gentile on the other. In every nation, one race sits on one side of the wall and one race sits on another. The high sit on one side and the low sit on the other. The upper class sits on one side and the lower class sits on the other. But you know what Jesus Christ does? He reaches over that wall 
And somebody takes hold of the branch. And he reaches over this way and somebody takes hold of that branch. And this man's saved and this man's saved and these people are saved and those people are saved. And the Lord said, well, I don't, I don't like all this singing over walls. Let me just knock this thing down. And he just kicked that wall out. And tonight, when you walk through that door, nobody says, are you Italian? Mexican? Latin? No, you know what they say? You know the Lord, you saved? Hey, brother. You know the Lord, are you saved? Hello, sister. I can travel this world. I can go anywhere on this earth and meet a man who knows Jesus Christ, and we can sit at that table and have more to talk about than I have to talk about with my own kin. It's amazing. You know why? Because that branch sat down beside that well and he reached over that well and he, wall and he reached over that wall and he reached over that wall and having saved all of these people, he just said, well, let's just get rid of this wall. And the same Lord Jesus Christ who died to take away our sin then took away that which would divide us and would separate us. Three, give me three minutes, I'll be done. There's no, there's no place in Winnipeg like a Bible-believing church. There's no place in Orlando, Florida like a Bible-believing church. Where else do 70-year-old men who have earned their living and retired sit across the table from 14-year-old boys and the two talk to each other as friends and as brothers? There's no place like that in the world. Where do grandmothers and granddaughters and college-educated people and high school dropouts sit side by side and pick up a hymnal and smile at each other and nod as they sing the same truths and experience the same salvation? There's no place like this. You know why? Because the walls that divided us are meaningful if all we are is Gentiles making up our own way to worship God. But if every one of us have this in common, I was lost, I was alone in this world without hope and without God, and Jesus saved me. How about you? Me too. How about you? Me too. What about you? Me too. And what we all have in common now is the most important thing on the face of this earth. We don't put the poor people in this section and the middle class people in this section and the rich people over here in this section. We're saved. Those walls are gone. And isn't it amazing that one day, one day, it won't be some of those and some of those and some of those and some of those and some of those. One day those that are saved out of Every kindred, tongue, and tribe, and people will with one voice give praise to one Savior because one day he sat down by a well, Jacob's well, and offered everlasting life to people his own disciples wouldn't even talk to. How about that? Jesus, I want you to go over there and win that woman to me. Are you kidding? I'm talking to her. She came from a different neighborhood than I did. Jesus said, well, y'all go on in town. Go buy some groceries or something. I got work to do here. And while those disciples went shopping, Jesus said, let's talk. You and me. 
She said, you're a Jew. He said, well, I'm a little bit more than that. And he was. Aren't you glad tonight that you got something your ancestors never even dreamed of having? A personal relationship with God. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. So we were international. Now we're one holy nation. We were not a people, but now we're the people of God. Pretty amazing when you think about it. That branch reached over the wall. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our missionaries. Thank you for our churches that support missionaries. Thank you, Lord, that we can go everywhere in this world and preach the same message because it's your offer of life to all men of all races in all places for all time. Thank you, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.